0: Father, whether we were entirely aware of it or not, we trust that you brought us here this morning. And Lord, we come, as we do every Sunday morning, from all kinds of places. Some of us come distracted. Some of us come so heavily burdened. Some of us come a little bit absent mindedly. Some of us come out of routine. Some of us come out of deep need. And yet, Lord, you have come to all of us and brought us here. And so we pray that today, as you have brought us here, that you speak to us. Lord, speak to us what each of us needs to hear from your word and through your spirit. Lord, if there are barriers to us living with and for you, then break those down. Lord, if there are ways you want us to step out in faith or ways that you want us to rest more in you, then we ask that you speak clearly to us as we gather this morning. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. So this Advent and Christmas, we're in a series called Anxious Anticipation, and, and we are living in the tension that we always do in the Christian life, that there are so many reasons to be anxious in this world, and, and so many burdens that we bear. And yet, as Christians, as believers, we have so much to anticipate, so much, so much hope the coming of Jesus Christ. And so we live always in that tension of our anxiety and our anticipation, and we're paying attention to that this month through readings from the Old Testament, from the Minor Prophets, and readings from the New Testament, from the Gospel of Luke, as we look toward Jesus. And last week, in some respects, was was a heavy week as we reflected on how the the Lord comes to us, but he comes to change us, to refine us, to purify us, to make us right. This week has a more celebratory tone as we jump into the book of Zephaniah and then go to Luke chapter 1 again. So we'll read from Zephaniah 3 verses 14 to 17 and then from Luke 1, 26 to 33. The words will be on the screen. You're also welcome to follow along on a Bible in the bench or if you brought your own Bible one way or another. Hear now the word of the Lord. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And then let's turn to Luke chapter 1 and we'll read from verse 26 to 33 there. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So this is this is a season where we, as I mentioned, are are often plagued by anxiety, a season in the world, also a season as we look toward the holidays that that we have so many, so many plans to make, so many events to attend or put together, so so many relationships that that maybe we maybe we're doing well in, or maybe we're kind of concerned about that family get together or how long we're gonna be able to put up with these people. And it seems like this time of year, especially with winter coming, that, that some of our anxieties mount and mount and mount. Some of our worries become ever more powerful. As students look toward exams, we, we feel some sense of trepidation and concern. How is this semester going to go? How is it all going to end? What, what are the grades going to look like? For those of us who are working, we might wonder, what's the year-end bonus going to look like? Am I going to be able to afford all the trips and all the presents and all the things along with paying all the bills? We have, we have, for many of us, have so many people that we miss in this holiday season, whether our, our relationships are estranged or whether they are no longer in this life. And so we come with a lot of, a lot of heaviness in our lives, a lot of reason to to spin our wheels. And it maybe can feel sometimes like the Christian life is just another burden. Like we come to the Lord and there's all these things we have to do and we know we're never good enough and we don't measure up and we wonder if if we're doing enough in our relationship with God and we wonder if we're doing enough to serve Him and, and we wonder about all these things and we bear all these burdens. And there is a time and a place to talk about all of that. But if we just focus on that, we miss something. We miss something of the Christian life. And one part of the Christian life, as this text calls us to, is to to put aside our burdens, to lay them aside, and to recognize that in Jesus Christ we are called to sing and shout. This text calls us to sing and shout, to play, to rejoice, to, to simply be joyful in the Lord. It tells us, sing, daughter of Zion, and shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. And the text, when it, when it talks that way, it intends to, to bring in all the people of God, to speak to Israel as a, as a collective person, but also to emphasize this goes on to your sons and daughters, to generation after generation, that, that we are all called to rejoice and be glad. And that is a call that we as Christians, that we as Christians, if we really lean into the good news of Jesus, can more and more answer, no matter, no matter what is going on in our lives. The Bible calls us and Christ enables us to sing and shout. C.S. Lewis has a famous quote, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. And in the context of that quote, Lewis mentions all all the heavy things, all the hard parts of our lives, all the things that just wear us down. But then he reflects on life with Christ. And he says, and this is, as he admits, a limited analogy, but he says maybe it is... Maybe it is actually in our moments of play. Maybe it is in our lightest moments, the moments that we, that we just play, that we just have fun, that we just enjoy life. Maybe that, that is when we really get a taste of what the Christian life will look like for eternity. All those burdens, all the troubles we have are real, but there is a deeper reality in Jesus Christ that this text calls us to. And, and the call is to sing and shout, to rejoice and give thanks and one way that we do that is through worship, but there is a call, too, in all of life for us simply simply to enjoy the reality that in Jesus Christ we are eternally saved. To enjoy the reality that in Jesus Christ the Lord, the Lord looks on us not with anger, not with burdens, but with delight. And I suspect that many of us come here today and we need We so desperately need to hear the call that that we can simply rejoice in the Lord. And I suspect many of our temptation is to lay out for everybody else this is what rejoicing in the Lord looks like for all of us. And, And there are some continuities. We are called to rejoice through worship. We are called to rejoice through service. But but really this is this is something that I think the Lord works out for each and every one of us. That you can say, What could I do today? what could I do today on this Sabbath day simply to enjoy life, simply to have fun? And that is part of our call as Christians to practice the business of joy. And this text gives us a couple, a couple reasons. If you're the type of person who needs reasons for everything, this text gives us a couple reasons. And if you're the type of person who, who just needs to be brought to a place where you can emotionally resonate, then this text gives us some reasons to emotionally resonate with joy. And the first reason we can sing and shout is because God is mighty to save. God is mighty to save. And if you look at Zephaniah, the book of Zephaniah, pretty much up to this point, it's actually been pretty rough. There has been a lot of judgment. The Lord has come to his people and said, you people are going after other gods. You people are systematically acting out against me, and you are systematically damaging your lives and your community, and you are driving yourselves off a cliff. Turn around and come back. And the people don't. And so the Lord comes with a second decree and he says, you didn't listen to me and now you're in even a worse place and now you deserve even more punishment and now you are inflicting even more trouble on yourselves. And Zephaniah really pounds a lot of this home that that we're messed up and that even when we're told that we're messed up, we still mess up more. And the Lord is very honest about this throughout the Bible and in our lives, that we do mess up, that we do sin, that we are broken, that we have turned away from Him, that we are making things worse for ourselves and worse in this world. And all of that is true. But then we come to this text at the end of Zephaniah, and the Lord, the Lord makes a turn. And He makes His enemies, who we were among, He makes His enemies His friends. And you've probably heard this line, it's attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but it seems to go back to well before that, that when Abraham Lincoln, at the end of the Civil War, as things were wrapping up, he had this this plan to be really kind to the rebels, to be really kind to the people who had been part of the Confederacy, and and to really focus on rebuilding and reconstructing instead of punishing. And and people pushed him on that, and Lincoln, I don't know if he actually said this or not, but what he's purported to have said is, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? And if you know the story of the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln is is assassinated. He is not able to carry out this vision of taking enemies and turning them into friends. But brothers and sisters, the work of the Lord here in Zephaniah in the life of Jesus is to take us who were his enemies And in his might, in his power, to save us, to make us his friends. And this is all about the work of God. It is not about us earning our way or us doing enough. It is about God being mighty to save and coming to us. And we see this in Zephaniah. We see it in the Old Testament. But we see it so much more clearly in the life of Jesus. In that text we read in Luke, Gabriel comes to, comes to Mary and says, call his name Jesus. And, and do you know what Jesus means? Jesus means Savior or salvation. And Jesus is the one who comes to save us. And, and in fact, in fact, it is precisely through his death that Jesus becomes able to save. It is precisely through his death that Jesus brings us to him. When the forces of evil gathered and and they shot their ultimate shot, they did the worst they could and Jesus took it and came back. And so today we can gather and we can be glad and rejoice because Jesus has secured salvation for us. And sometimes our minds and sometimes our emotions and sometimes our hearts and sometimes our lives don't, don't make this easy to rejoice. There are so many burdens that we bear. There are so many roads that we can go down and feel so worried and so anxious and and so troubled. And what we need, what we need is to work, to work into our hearts and minds and souls, to work into our very being, this reality that Jesus has saved us. It is finished. And this is not a come and beat on ourselves and beat on each other and say, you'd better really believe in Jesus so that you can be happy. This is a look at what the Lord has done for us and so we can be joyful no matter what. In John Calvin's commentary on his text, he, he points out how we really can't comprehend the majesty and the might of God. God is, God is so much bigger than us that we can't even get our heads around it. But what we can do, says Calvin, What we can do is we can focus on the amazing grace of the Lord poured out in our lives. And so if you are not feeling joyful, if you are not feeling joyful, then I invite you to pay attention to Jesus. To recognize that in Jesus all your burdens have been taken care of, all your sins have been dealt with. There is a cure and it has come. And so we can put aside our need to perform. We can, we can put aside our worry about whether the world is going to go our way or not. We can put aside our, our anxiety about all things and focus on Jesus Christ. The Lord is mighty to save, and he has chosen in his grace to save us. And then the text goes on, and it, and it tells us to sing and shout because the Lord delights in us. Because the Lord will sing over us and quiet us with his love. And often in the Old Testament, when it talks about delight, when it talks especially about love, it uses this, this word hesed, this word that is the covenant love of God, his faithfulness. And that is not the word that shows up here. What shows up here is not so much covenant faithfulness and the promise of God. What shows up here is the delight of God. When God delights in us, this is a word that is used of Jacob delighting in Rachel, his wife. This is a word that is used of Jacob delighting in his favorite son, Joseph. This is a word that is used of of Jonathan and David and delighting in their deep, deep friendship. This is is a word that is used of God's people delighting in the Lord who saves them. This is is a word of joy, of abounding fun. The The Lord just loves to be around us. And so when we come to the Lord as our Heavenly Father, we can come not not scared, not concerned, but as one who who just loves being around us, who puts His favor upon us, who draws us into His kingdom. And we see something of that in Gabriel's conversation with Mary, that, that Mary has received this special favor from the Lord, that she is unique in all the universe in bearing the Son of God. But even more than that, And the promise that Gabriel gives here, that, that this Jesus, this Savior, he will be the one who will, who will take on David's throne, who will reign forever, and who will welcome us into his kingdom. This is a message of salvation, and it's also a message of delight and favor. The Lord delights in us. Because of Jesus' work, when the Lord thinks of you and when he thinks of me, he does not see us in all our imperfections, He sees us as his beloved children. He sees us as his friends. He delights in us. So I want to give you just a a little bit of a picture of that. And maybe this will resonate with you, maybe not. But we we got a really great dog in our family a year or so ago. And she is a really great dog. If you've met her, you know she's a great dog. We can compare notes if you think your dog is better. That would be fun. But she is a great dog, and we brought her to junior cadets this last week, and all the boys insisted on going. Ezra, our youngest, is in junior cadets, but all the boys insisted on going, and so we bring her, and everyone's a little confused at first, but then we had this, this thing that we started throwing a ball in the fellowship hall. Don't tell anybody. Oops. All right. So we started throwing a ball in the fellowship hall, and she started bringing it back, and the cadets got so excited, and they all basically of their own will lined up and to get first to third grade boys to line up on their own is impressive. And we started throwing the ball and everyone got a turn and they'd throw the ball and Lila would run and grab it and bring it back and she'd give it to me and I'd give it to the next kid and they'd throw the ball and she brought it back and the kids were trying all kinds of different underthrows and spins and overthrows. and there was this delight of the dog who thinks she's died and gone to heaven because there's 15 people throwing a ball to me. And all these kids are so happy because, hey, I get to throw the ball next and, and maybe it'll be my turn. I wonder if she'll catch it when I throw it. And I'm having a lot of fun because I see my son and my sons and, and the kids of my church and, and everyone is just delighted. A trivial example, perhaps. But it is that kind of life that the Lord welcomes us into. A life that is simply fun. A life where, yes, yes, we have all the things, but a life where the Lord invites us into joy. Into simply enjoying the gifts and the lives that He has given us. And so you are invited today. You are invited today to be God's child, to be his friend, to step more and more into the salvation that Jesus brings and so to be people in whom God delights and so so to enter into a life where you don't need to worry so much about all the things going wrong in the world, where you don't need to worry so much about all the holiday plans going wrong, where you can can hope for the resolution of all the heartache that you have, maybe in this life, maybe in the next, where you can know that no matter what happens or what has happened to you, that the Lord is with you and that the Lord delights in you and that in Him you can look forward to eternal, to eternal joy. Joy is the serious business of heaven. And in Christ, we are so privileged that joy, delight, play, can be our business here too. Let us celebrate, rejoice, and delight in the Lord who delights to save us. Let's pray. Father, as with every Sunday, so many of us come with heavy hearts. And our troubles and our worries seem so real and so big. And you seem so distant, so far away. Lord, for those of us who come with heavy hearts, we pray that you help us to give those burdens to you. Help us to cast our cares on you and in exchange to receive the joy of our salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, some of us don't come burdened, but we just come flat. We come feeling like life is just chugging along and it is what it is. But Lord, help us to see how even our lives, even now, can be shot through with your light. Help us to dive deeper into the pool of your grace and to be able to rejoice in our lives now and forever. And Father, for those of us who have come here today joyful and and close to you and, and in deep communion with you, we give thanks and we pray that you enable us to hold on to that, to be able to be witnesses and agents of your joy and your delight. We pray all this in your name. Amen.